Well, good evening, and uh, it's good to be back together. I hope you had as restful afternoon as I did. I was telling Jamel, you know how it's been a while. Sometimes you just can't really get a good sleep, and then you go and you go and you go, and then finally you sit down and you get a 15-minute nap, and it was probably the best sleep I think I've had in a long time, and I thank the Lord for that. And let's hope that uh, it shows its um, benefits here tonight. So we're going to move along, okay? Now that I'm a little rested up this morning, we had the privilege of beginning in considering the book of Ruth, that, that, um, that link book between the judges, the demise in the life of the children of Israel, the life of disobedience and uh, religious confusion, and it says over and over again, uh, there were, it says that there was no king in all of Israel, which wasn't really probably the key. I meant to mention this earlier. But the next phrase is, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And so as a result of that, discipline had fell upon the nation. Famine was in the land. And um, uh, we come into the book of Ruth and we're introduced to this man, Elimelech, who decides to try to avoid the judgment and flees the land of blessing and the land of praise and goes to the cursed land of Moab where he thought the grass was greener. But much to his demise, it didn't work out so well. Um, Later, after he dies and his two sons die, his uh, wife and one of his um, uh, daughter-in-laws would go back to to Bethlehem, Judah, and um, back, as she says, empty. She left full but she returned empty. And we looked and we saw how even in that, the providential work and the sovereign hand of God was still involved in the life of this family. This morning we saw them coming back home. They were homesick. They headed back home. And Naomi would come and bring with her Ruth. And Ruth, in a lot of ways, is, well, through the life, I guess, of Naomi, we see Ruth professing her faith in the Lord God of Israel. So there was a profession, I think. Another way we could look at the book of Ruth is in chapter 1. There was a profession of faith. In chapter 2, there is the provision of the Redeemer, or as it were, the Redeemer's provision. And and this is what we're going to look at this evening. And then quickly in chapter 3, there's the preparation for the Redeemer. And then in chapter 4, we're going to look at the Redeemer and... um, his redemption. So that's what we're going to try to do tonight. And so, so if I lose you, um, you know, try to find your way back. Well, here in chapter two, we're going to approach this 
by considering three questions that we find in this chapter. One question comes from the man Boaz. Another question comes from the woman Ruth. And another question comes from the woman Naomi. In verse 5, we see the first question. In Ruth chapter 2, in verse 5, and this is going to help us. It's going to take us into the discovery stage of who these people are, right? They're going to begin to fall into place. And, and, and we know in, in chapter 2, in Ruth chapter 2, we know that, uh, that Naomi goes out and looks to find some food. She asks permission to go and, and let me go to the field and glean. There was a law in that agrarian society that said that those who those farmers were to leave the edges to the widows and the poor and allow them to come and to glean the left over there and that's a that's a, a pretty good philosophy you know they actually had to even the widows and the poor had to work for their sustenance it wasn't just handed to them they weren't necessarily entitled to it they would have to go and perform the work and get it, just a little tidbit off of the side. So she goes into the field, and when she gets to the field, the first question we come up with is in verse 5. says, Then Boaz says to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And it's interesting, the one brother mentioned that, you know, when we ask in our day, who is this, or who is that, usually the response is, well, He's the accountant that works down the street over there, or he's the businessman, or he's so and so person. They don't necessarily tell you know your name, but they tell about who you are, what kind of things you do. And here he asks, "Who is this?" And the uh, servant in chapter six begins to tell him who she was. He says, so the, it says in verse 6, So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answers and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. It was a young woman. He says there, was, there were three things about this person that he points out. Right? She came from the country of Moab. And the one brother said that she was a displaced woman. She was displaced. He says that she came back with Naomi. He said she was dispossessed. She was dispossessed because she had lost everything in Moab. And it says that she was a Moabitess. She was a Moabite. She was from that cursed land. And she was a woman who was disallowed. So the question to who was she, Boaz would get that she was displaced, she was dispossessed, and she was disallowed. But he had heard of her. He had known what she had done. And notice what his response is in verses 11 and 12. In verse 11 it says, And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father 
and your mother and your land of birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel. And this is important. Under whose wings you have come for refuge. When he asked who this was, the servant would tell her who she was before. But because of what he knew, he would declare of who she is now. Who she is now. No longer, because of her profession that we find in first, in chapter 1, no longer is she displaced. No longer is she dispossessed. No longer she's disallowed. She has come under, it says here, under the refuge of the Lord God of Israel. So he says to her, this is what you were in many ways we see here, but this is what you are. Just I think it reminds us, as we mentioned this morning in Ephesians chapter, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, when the Apostle Paul says, remember that you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenant. Those same three things, having no hope and without God. That's who we were. Displaced, dispossessed, and disallowed. But when we came to faith in Christ, as Boaz would say, that's who she was, but this is who she is now. And for the Christian, who are you? In Ephesians chapter 2, 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So that first question helps us to begin to discover who this woman is, who she was. She was from a cursed land. She was separated, but now she's under the wing of of the Lord God Jehovah. It's just like the believer, the person who puts his trust in Christ. The second question we see is found in verse 10. And this is where Ruth asks, Why have I found favor in your eyes? Why have I found favor in your eyes? And look in verse in chapter 2 at verse 9, when, when uh, Boaz would say to her, let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink and, and, and what the, drink from what the young men have drawn. And then later in verse 14, we see Boaz saying again, Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat at bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat Beside the reapers, they passed the parched grain to her, and she ate, and she was satisfied. And she even ha not only was satisfied, but she kept some back. Why am I so favored? And I think we can reflect back to the fact that Boaz had re recognized her profession of faith. And he recognized it, so preparation was being, or, or as I could say, not preparation, that's the next one, but provision was being made. And for the believer, I think the parallel is there. That when we come to faith in Christ, provision is made. You know, the Lord Jesus would say, He would say, I go to what? Prepare a place for you. 
right? He says, and if I go, I'm going to come back. He went to, to make provision has been made for us. And you know, the world made a provision for the Lord Jesus, didn't they? They made provision for him. They hung him on the cross. They gave him a crown of thorns. And ultimately, they gave him a grave, a tomb that couldn't hold him, right? They gave him a place. So we can say the same thing before the Lord. Why have I found favor in your sight? And obviously, we recognize it is the faith we put in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the third question we see comes from the lady Naomi. Naomi would say to Ruth in chapter 2 and verse 19, Naomi and her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? Where have you gleaned today? And in verse 3, go back to verse 3, it says, So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean. And, and, um, and it happened. Is that, and, and she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she left and gleaned in the field, in verse 3, after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Moaz. And so we want to stop right there. She happened to come. And we've already mentioned it. When we look in the book of Ruth, we, we see a book full of providence, a book full of the sovereignty of God. So when we come to this word, just happened, is that what really was going on here? In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3, it says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And then in verse 4, he says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked, for the day of trouble. So there was a no just happenstance. This was all in the providential, sovereign work of God. And God providentially works in our lives. And, you know, not, I don't want to get off my notes too much because I don't want to take too much time. But when we look back at our lives, can we see the hand of God working providentially in our lives? I see, some, I see some decisions that I have made in the past, and to some extent I regret some of those decisions that I've made because I feel like if I hadn't made those decisions, I would have been further along. But in many ways, I think it was the providential work of God. And I used to think about it when I did, did that. I could see the providence of God as He opened doors for me in my life. As, as he, he, he allowed me, as I saw him working in the lives of people around me, as he made relationships and, and worked sovereignly in my own life. You know, I really think that if we would just tune our ear to listen to God's whispers, he wouldn't have to yell at us like he did with Elimelech. If we just take that time to allow to to see his providence working, and here in in um, the provision that was made for her, she she had the 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 grain, the gleanings, those acts of grace being provided for her. We see the 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 parched grain, those acts of kindness, extra kindness being provided for her. And in verse 16, we read. Also let the grain fall off the bundles, fall purposely for her, 
Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So the Redeemer makes provision for us. And so as we ask these questions, as we uh, begin to discover who these, these characters of this story are, we realize that we have a Boaz ourselves, right? We have a Boaz that provides for us as well. So I think we're going to leave that and we're going to go to chapter 3. Chapter, chapter 1, there was a profession. Chapter 2, we see provision. But there's preparation for the Redeemer too. Not only, not only was the Redeemer given provision, there needs to be a preparation. At this point, um, uh, we come from, from, Ruth comes from, from Moab. She, she goes to the fields of Boaz. And then when we enter into chapter 3, now she's on the threshing floor. Now she's on the threshing floor. And at this point, you know, Ruth had already put her trust in the Lord. And the provisions have been made for her. And now she's on the threshing floor. But there's more. But there's more than just a profession There's more than just provision in the life of the believer. There's preparation. There's preparation. And preparation, it's left now for the fullness of redemption. We are preparing ourselves for the fullness of redemption. We can see that illustrated through this story. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, Naomi um, counsels, Ruth, how to prepare herself. Look in, um, in chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, therefore, you know, prepare for the... He's, he's, he's telling her to prepare for the Redeemer. He says, she says, therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. You know, we don't enter into the presence of the Redeemer just any old way, right? The, the, the profession has been made, the provision is there, and now there's a washing, as it says in the Scriptures, a washing and a regeneration. You remember the time when Jesus would wash the disciples' feet, right? There's a refreshment, there's a refreshing, a time of refreshment, Right? In Colossians chapter 3 would, would explain this, would, would talk to us about how we are to cleanse ourselves from all, all un, uncleanness and the wickedness of the world. So there's a preparation. In verse 8, we see that there's a place in the Redeemer's presence, right? Um, uh, that the place, look in verse 8. In verse, chapter 3, verse 8. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there was a woman lying at his feet. You know, the world would tell us, and by the way, she did this at the council of Naomi. And Naomi knew the laws, and she knew what the regulations were. She knew the customs of, of uh, uh, Bethlehem, Judah, so she would instruct her correctly. She didn't say, go with all your gold, go with your hair all curled up, go and just embrace him and show him how, 
how awesome you are and how, how, how intelligent you are. No. Right? She would instruct him to go and to lay at his feet. The world would tell us. The world would tell us that success is the way up. But in preparation to see our Redeemer, the way isn't up. The way is down. The way is humility. The way is humble. Recognizing. The Scriptures will tell us to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That what? That He might lift you up. And so appropriately, she places herself where the Redeemer can lift her up. And then in verse 11, there's the provision. She, was being, she, she made preparation for the provision. In verse 11, it says, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. And this is just a wonderful statement that you, 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 you are a pure person, you, you are a, a diligent person. So we see in chapter 3 that there's preparation necessary for the Redeemer. Before we come to the Redeemer, we prepare for His presence, we place ourselves at His feet, and there's a provision that's made for us. Now, chapter 4 is really where I wanted to kind of get, and I'm hoping that we can. you guys are still with me here. I'm sure you are. In chapter 4, we have this great, wonderful picture of the redemption and our great Redeemer. You know, there are so many applications in this book of our Lord's redeeming work. And we've seen that Boaz is that picture that Boaz, the Redeemer of Ruth, is our Christ. And look what happens here in the redemption. In chapter 4 and verse 2, well, let's read from verse 1. Now, Boaz went up to the gate, and he sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. And now, isn't that interesting? He just happened to come by. Okay, again, I believe we can see the providential, sovereign hand of God working here. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and he sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down as well. And go over to um, verse 6. Oh, well, let's just read all the way through. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. So he says, I'm the, I'm the legal, I have the legal right, so I will redeem it. But then Boaz reveals to him this, 
And Boaz says, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of, to perpetuate the, name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I can't redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. And this was brought to my attention, and I thought this was, this was, um, it, it just, it was fascinating, but, but it just, it, so, so, so true to the heart of God. The first thing that we saw was that the ten judges, well, they couldn't do any redeeming work, right? Uh, it says he took them there and they couldn't do any redeem. They couldn't do the redeeming themselves. And some have said that the ten judges, well, they relate to the law, the ten commandments. You know, uh, does the law save anybody? Obeying the law, does it save anybody? Can it redeem us? Well, obviously not. And so we see that the law cannot, cannot save us. And then the second thing we see is that the other kinsmen could not redeem them. It says then the redeemer said, I can't redeem them. The New Testament echoes a very clear response to this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. It says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So the idea is, is that the law could not redeem us. You can try as hard as you want. You can go to them judges. You can work as hard as you want. You can obey the law as hard as you want. But the law will never have the power to, can, to redeem us because it is weak. It is weakened by the flesh because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the law was weak in that way. But what we see here is, is that the Redeemer here has distinctive characteristics about him that give him the ability to redeem. The first thing we say we see is his capability. You know, the first one couldn't redeem him because he would have lost his own inheritance. And we don't really, I couldn't find out what it was that kept him from redeeming uh, her. You know, he could buy the land back. Perhaps he was already married. He had a family. Maybe there was another legal issue. But obviously, it would have ruined his inheritance one way or the other. So he wasn't going to forfeit his own inheritance by redeeming uh, the Elimelech's uh, uh, kinsmen. So what, what he did was he let it go. It says here in, in verse 1, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Boaz, look, look at chapter 2, verse 1. A man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. He was a capable redeemer. It says here that he was a great man. He was a man of great wealth. Unlike the first kinsman who could not redeem her because of his lack of wealth, 
He had great wealth. And when we think about that and we relate that to our Lord Jesus Christ, how much does he owe? How much, how much does he own? How much does our Redeemer, how much does our Boaz own? And just think about it. Think about his life. You remember when he fed the 5,000, right? He fed the 5,000 and what? He had enough for them, plus he had more left over. So he had all the resources that he needs. You know, he has eternal resources. And not only is that, but he has power. You look at the lame would come to him and the blind. He had power to heal them. He had enough. The scriptures tell us in Colossians that all things belong to him. So our Redeemer is capable. And you think of that cry that he cried out on that cross when he hung there and he would say, Telestai. He would say, it is finished. Or in legal terms, what that means is it's paid for. The mortgage is settled. It's done. Right? It is finished. So our Boaz has enough. He's a capable redeemer. Another characteristic that we see is, is that he was a condescending redeemer. Look in Ruth chapter 4 in verse 10. And, you know, he didn't have to say this, right? Um, in verse 9 it says, And Boaz said to the elders, to all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was not just Elimelech's. All right? He went further than that. He didn't just buy Elimelech stuff. He bought all of Chilin's and all of Malin's from the hand of Naomi. He bought all of it. And then he goes on to say, Moreover, and even more than that, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malan, I have acquired as my wife. He condescended because he, 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 he exposes her title. She is a Moabite. She's from that cursed land. She's from the far country. And I have bought her. I have redeemed her. Philippians chapter 2 talks about our Boaz. And it says, but he made himself nothing. He humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So he was a condescending redeemer. So you can see that established there. But not only was he capable and condescending, but he was, a, he, was a, he was a caring redeemer. He was a caring redeemer. Ruth chapter 4, verse 14 and 15 says, Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life 
and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. So we see that he's a caring redeemer. Remember Ruth 1.21, Naomi would say, I went out full and the Lord brought me back empty. You know, here we see the restoration. Here, not only a restoration, but a nourishing. God doesn't just save us from something. Christ doesn't just save us from something. He saves us to something. He saves us for something. And I, This made me think about this. Isaiah chapter 40, in verse, beginning in verse 28, it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagle. They shall run and be not weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. We have a caring Redeemer, right? He cares for us. There's restoration in our lives. There's nourishment there's filling up. And we could go on and on. There's so many illustrations we could use. But I just want to move along. And another characteristic that we see in the life of Boaz as the Redeemer, and which is like the life of our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, is there was a confirmation of redemption. There was a confirmation of redemption. Ruth chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, now this was the custom in former times. And we'll go back to six. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now there, this was the custom in former times. And this is a wonderful, just a drop in here for us to get some insight. This was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation to Israel. Right? This was a confirmation to Israel. Well, we have a confirmation from our Redeemer too, don't we? It's not an empty shoe, but it's an empty tomb. It's an empty tomb. There's confirmation that our Redeemer is capable, that He did the work He needed to do, that He condescended to humanity, and that He's a caring Redeemer. And that confirmation is the empty tomb. Right? But also, a characteristic of that Redeemer is that there was a completeness of the redemption. There was a completeness of the redemption. You know, He didn't just save her or redeem her 
to have her for his servant or for any other reason. He redeemed her to be his wife. Right? It says in chapter 4, in verse 10, you know, I have acquired, it says, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Mahom, I have acquired as my wife. And our Redeemer doesn't redeem us to be his slave, but he calls us friends, right? He calls us friends. Romans chapter 8, even further than that. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as a relative, right? Not a slave. As a relative, as sons, by whom we cry, what? Abba. Father, right? We have been redeemed into a relationship. It says in verse 16, 8.16, Romans 8.16, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, right? And if children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided that we suffer with Him, which reveals that we are a part of His family, right? I mean, when your family suffers, what do you do? Do you move out of town? I hope not. I hope you run to them, right? And we engage in that suffering with Christ in order that we would be glorified with Him. So this was just a quick overview of this book. And just I, I just encourage you to take some time and to read through it, this is full of gems and insights into the work of God, the providential work. Here we have Naomi coming out and bringing Ruth. Remember, after, after uh, Elimelech dies and the two sons die, the three women, the grieving woman, the cleaving woman, and the leaving woman, right? And they're, they, they become the illustration of the link that will bring us to the messianic lineage, even up to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to see how God would use a Moabite to introduce... The Savior of the world. It's fascinating. And so um, I hope it's been encouraging that you have understood or maybe understand a little more deeply looking this book. I know for me it's been very enlightening and I thank the Lord for it. But the point is this. When we read this, it's time for us to evaluate. Is this our Redeemer? Are we like... Have you come to the place that Ruth, has, that Ruth had come to? Where she saw the God of Israel. She was exposed to the God of Israel. And she would turn her life and she would surrender her life to Him. 
She would leave everything she knew. She would leave it all behind, go into a place that she was unfamiliar with, and surrender her life under the wings of the Lord God of Israel. Are you like that? Were you far from God in that far country? And recognizing you're far, have you come, as it says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 13, are you now in Christ, you who once were far off, have you been brought nigh by the blood of Christ? There's only one way. You know, we, we're not going to be able to find ten judges. We don't have to get a shoe. We already have it completed in the blood of Christ. And he says, if you will come to me, I will save you. So if you haven't, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you don't recognize Him as the true redeeming relative, you can do that tonight by asking Him to become your Lord. The Bible tells us that if we confess Jesus as Lord with our mouth, that if we believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. And that's what, Naomi, that's what Ruth did in many ways. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, have you done that? Do you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead? Well, if you did, God brings restoration and nourishment to your life. If you haven't, do that today. Father, I thank You for Your Word. And I thank You for the challenges that we find in Your Word. But more... Even more than that, the graciousness, the kindness, the everlasting, sovereign, and providential hand of God. May each day we be conscientious about it. Boaz remained in Bethlehem, Judah, when things were rough. And I believe what sustained him was the fact that he conscientiously understood that he was in the presence of God. And he was there, and God would reward him for that and use him. And his name would end up in the genealogy of the Savior. We thank you for that, Father. Challenge our hearts to be like this. May we glorify you in our everyday. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.